Welcome to this week's episode of the Jewish Diaspora Report. On this week's episode, we look into the Israeli Defense Forces Operation Breaking Dawn and how the media is portraying it to international audiences. Let's get started. Many of my listeners have likely heard by now that the Israeli Defense Forces have begun another operation in Gaza. This has led to a number of airstrikes against terrorist targets in the region. As of August 5, 2022, Israel has launched a series of airstrikes in the Gaza Strip following the arrest of Bassam al-Sa'ad, a senior militant in the Palestinian Islamic Jihad movement. Following the high-profile capture, the Israeli military had fears of retaliation by the terrorist group. As word got stronger for a potential attack, Israel began a preemptive campaign codenamed Operation Breaking Dawn. So far, Israel has targeted and killed a number of high-up leaders from the Islamic Jihad in Gaza and arrested 19 members of the Islamic Jihad movement in the West Bank. For those of you who may be less familiar with the politics in Gaza, Islamic Jihad is one of the two groups in Gaza who promote attacks and terror against the state of Israel and its people. Unlike the better-known group in Gaza, Hamas, Islamic Jihad is a smaller and less influential group that is splintered from the Muslim Brotherhood. They do not pretend to have a so-called political wing, but rely mostly on military action. Islamic Jihad is currently listed as a terrorist organization by many countries, including the United States, Canada, and the UK. The aim of the Islamic Jihad organization has always been the establishment of a sovereign Islamic Palestinian state within the geographic borders of the pre-1948 British Palestine. They completely reject the political process, and the organization professes that its goal can only be achieved through military means. Islamic Jihad officially began its armed operations against Israel in 1984. In 1988, its leaders were exiled by Israel to Lebanon. While in Lebanon, the group received training, support, and other backing from Hezbollah and its backer, Iran. In the 1990s, the headquarters of Palestinian Islamic Jihad moved officially to the Syrian capital of Damascus, where it continues to be based. Interestingly, Islamic Jihad usually works with Hamas, its fellow terrorist organization, with aims to destroy or harm the state of Israel. However, in this case, it seems that Hamas is staying out of the fight, and Israel has gone to painstaking efforts to ensure that they avoid Hamas targets, even though we need to remember, of course, that Hamas is not exactly on good terms with Israel. Israel is, however, hoping to minimize Hamas's involvement in this current situation. I understand, of course, that these geopolitical issues that are in this region can be confusing. As a brief background on the players in Gaza, we could look back to 2005 and see how we got to where we are today. In 2005, the Israeli Prime Minister Ariel Sharon shocked the world and announced a complete disengagement from Gaza. This shocked many since he was well known as a hard-line politician who was not one to give land for peace. However, he decided as a proof that Israel's goal is for peace with the Palestinians, he forcibly withdrew all Israeli people from the area and turned the region over to the Palestinians. The hope for this was to break the logjam of previous peace attempts and show that Israel is ready to negotiate. The toll on Israel due to this decision was devastating. Politically, many were upset with Prime Minister Sharon. Israeli citizens, some who had lived in Gaza for generations, were forcibly removed from their homes by Israeli forces. The government attempted to rehome these Israelis, but as is usually the case with governments, not enough support was given to restart their lives. Meanwhile, the Israelis, at the Palestinian leadership's request, destroyed all homes, businesses, and infrastructure in the area. 
The Jews had left behind a thriving agriculture business and homes that would be destroyed rather than repurposed by Palestinian people out of some sort of weird pride. Shortly after full control of Gaza was turned over to the Palestinian leadership, elections were held between the two main political parties. The Palestinian Authority, also known as Fatah, formerly the terrorist organization of the Palestinian Liberation Organization, the PLO, and Hamas, a group with a political and terrorist wing that had long been committing atrocities against the Israelis. The two groups struggled to work together. Various internal and external issues were at play, and in short, the two sides began a civil war in 2007. Innocent Gazans were caught with the two warring factions murdering one another in the streets. Loyalties were tested and civilians were harmed. Political and terrorist leaders on both sides were killed. Eventually, it appeared that Hamas and their military allies were stronger, and Fatah was going to lose the civil war. Israel granted permission for the more moderate Fatah group and some of their supporters to flee to the West Bank region, a place that was more moderate and open to Fatah's leadership goals. This left Hamas and anyone who was unable to leave trapped in Gaza. Islamic Jihad also had a presence there, which was more in line with Hamas's style of no negotiations and military aggression. This brings us to where we are today. We have a group of the Palestinian Authority controlling the Palestinian region of the West Bank, a group who works with Israel in a manner of speaking, and a very hostile force of Hamas and Islamic Jihad in the Gaza Strip. In recent years, for many possible reasons, we have seen the growth of Hamas and Islamic Jihad-affiliated Palestinians living within the West Bank, under Palestinian Authority control. Many of the recent issues that we've seen, like for example at the Temple Mount, is a perfect example of the more aggressive terrorist groups who have gained supporters in the West Bank and are attempting to cause harm to Israel, but also prove to the Palestinian Authority that they really are not in control. Hamas and Islamic Jihad like to believe that they control the strings, even from a distance. The civil war between the two sides, a moderate and militant side, for who controls the Palestinians is still going on. Hamas and Islamic Jihad have infiltrated the more moderate West Bank and are starting to flex their muscle, putting Fatah and Israelis at risk. Sadly, since the attempt to trade land for peace in 2005 happened, Hamas and Islamic Jihad have used the new territory to build tunnels for would-be attackers to sneak into Israel and harm civilians or kidnap IDF soldiers. They've also used this new territory to fire homemade rockets from Iran deeper into Israeli territory. Now that we know the history of the region and how we got here, when we come back, we're going to look into what the news has to say about the current operation, Operation Breaking Dawn. We will be right back on the Jewish Diaspora Report. Just before the break, we were looking at the Operation Breaking Dawn and the history behind how we got to where we are today and what is fueling this issue. For this segment, I was hoping to look at some of the media coverage to see maybe the biases that we've been long talking about in my previous episodes. The first article that I came across would be CNN, which tends to be a more left-leaning media source. The title of the article is Israeli Airstrikes in Gaza Kill 11, Including Senior Islamic Jihad Leader. One of the most interesting things about this title that we can break down is, of course, Israeli airstrikes is the first words and followed by killed 11. So, of course, you as the audience see Israeli airstrikes kill 11, and that's kind of where your ideas stop. In the article, we find even within the first sentences, 
the Israeli military launched deadly strikes against what is said to be Islamic Jihad targets in Gaza. I just find it interesting, of course, that even in this sentence, the first sentence we see strikes against what it has said as Islamic Jihad targets. Of course, this is being skeptical. Oh, it claims that they're Islamic Jihad targets, but of course, we can't, uh, we can't believe the Israelis when they say they're targets an Islamic militant group. They're very skeptical when Israel tells them information. However, just after this, we see the Palestinian health ministry says that at least 11 people were killed, including a five-year-old girl. The Palestinian health ministry, of course, is a very reliable source, according to CNN, but the Israeli defense forces supposedly are telling us that it's Islamic Jihad targets. You can see the bias here, of course, just within the the statements they're making and who they're choosing to believe and who they're choosing to give sort of if we believe what they're saying. For long in the past, we've known that uh, the Gaza Strip is pretty held off from international media. Sometimes Israel gets criticism for this, not allowing international media in. Israel will say on their side, of course, that they're trying to eliminate the risk of uh, foreign press being harmed in any of these actions. But also, you know, the Palestinians enjoy the fact that there is no media there. So all of the media that comes out, whenever you hear about how many hurt, how many killed, here's a picture of this, here's a picture of that, understand that that actually comes through the Palestinian, for lack of a better word, public relations section. And so they're putting these images and numbers out. So take that for whatever it's worth. We have no corroborating evidence. Whereas in the Israeli state, of course, they have independent journalists who are able to question and look at documents. Obviously, there's a much longer article here that I'm not going to go through the entire thing. But simply within the first lines of this article, you could see the biases that are being presented. But let's try and check out some other articles as well. In this article by the CBC, or the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, we see the title, Palestinian Militants Respond with Rockets After Israel Hits Gaza with Deadly Strikes. There's absolutely no mention at all of who the Israelis were striking, which was a senior terrorist organization leader, one that is a terrorist according to Canada, and no mention of that at all in the title. It would make, of course, this situation seem like the Palestinians are reasonable and responsible to respond with rockets after being attacked for apparently no reason by the state of Israel. The article continues, Israel unleashes a wave of airstrikes in Gaza and kills at least 10 people, including a senior militant, and wounding dozens. So at least here we see they're actually mentioning killing a senior militant. But, you know, they kind of sandwich it in with killing 10 people. One of them, by the way, was a senior militant. Oh, and they wounded a bunch of other people, according to Palestinian officials. These articles are, of course, taking it on faith that this is an accurate number and don't even put any caveats or, or warnings that these numbers cannot be confirmed. We can also see the downplaying of the militants that the Israelis are targeting, who they are, why they are being targeted, which seems to be a trope of these left-wing media just ignore the reason why Israel is defending itself altogether. The mere mention slightly of some militants and stuff, but add that in with a whole bunch of death and destruction caused by the Israelis clearly trying to tip the scales in the favor of the poor Palestinians against the terrible Israelis. Needless to say, of course, that yes, the Palestinian people, the innocent civilians, definitely have an unfortunate situation being stuck between the terrorist organizations within their cities and the Israelis trying to defend themselves. The article makes sure to focus on the Palestinian civilians and ignore the Palestinian terrorists, as if they're not part of the story. They also focus on the Israeli military and government and speak nothing of the Israeli civilians and innocent victims hiding in bomb shelters. 
In another article, this one from The Guardian, the title is Israel Strikes Gaza Amid Tensions Following Arrest of Palestinian Militant. Of course, at least at this time, they actually mention that he's a Palestinian militant that started this issue. The article goes on to speak about how the Israelis are gearing up for a possible retaliation from Islamic Jihad. They say, as night fell, Islamic Jihad appeared to be ready to increase the stakes, pledging a no-holds-bar confrontation, and said that, quote, Tel Aviv would taste rockets. Interestingly, after mentioning the issues of tasting rockets and the threats, the article continues by saying Islamic Jihad had, in fact, not responded to the arrest of al-Saadi, one of the organization's most senior figures, and had instead made demands for proof that he had not been mistreated, as well as demanding the release of several detained militants. So here we have the article suggesting that even though, of course, they themselves admit that the Islamic Jihad had threatened that Israel would taste rockets, that, in fact, they had never responded yet. So why is Israel even bothering to attack them? This is sort of unprovoked. On the one hand, they're saying and admitting that these terrorist groups are threatening to attack Israel, and then at the same time blaming Israel because they hadn't been attacked yet. The Guardian article, unfortunately, does similar things to the previous articles and explains a lot of background to the Palestinian issues and why the Palestinians are fighting the Israelis, almost justifying why Israel is being attacked. This is only a sprinkling of some of the articles that we see written in the left-wing media in regards to the Israel-Gaza conflict. We see the manipulation of words, the order of information given, some words used to try and excuse the way that the Palestinians are acting or make Israel seem worse by leaving out the fact that it's terrorism and a lot of misinformation is being shared. One thing that makes me the most angry when I read some of these articles, of course, is that the numbers given by the Palestinians and the pictures sent and information being provided is very, very one-sided. Of course, any kind of harm to any child or any person on either side is absolutely wrong. Very few of these articles really mention the fact that the Israelis on the other side are living in their bomb shelters for many hours a day. It is only because Israel spends millions and millions and possibly even billions of dollars on defense from these rockets that are being sent from Gaza that the death toll isn't as high. Some statistics that I see is that the Iron Dome system that was created by the Israelis to defend against these homemade rockets shoots down over 97% of the rockets that are being fired. Even though these are not hitting Israeli targets, should we be saying that the Islamic Jihad that are shooting them are not really doing any damage or not causing any harm, and that therefore the Israelis shouldn't defend themselves? And what's most glaringly missing from these articles is the approximately third of the rockets that are being sent from Gaza are actually falling inside Gaza. You have to understand, of course, that these rockets that are being sent are homemade rockets made in the Gaza Strip or sent from Iran. Many of them fail and over a third of them actually land within Gaza. So depending on where it's actually being fired from, it could actually hit Gazan civilian homes. Many people have died from these misshot rockets. Unfortunately, we ourselves as international audiences don't get to understand which of these deaths that the ministry is giving out is from Israeli attacks or possibly even Palestinian attacks themselves. There's a video circulating by the IDF, so of course you can give it whatever grain of salt that you'd like, where you could see a barrage of rockets being shot from Gaza, and you could see about 10, 20 rockets being shot into Israel, and then they actually circle on it one rocket that misses and actually falls pretty short, as opposed to the other ones that are shot into the state of Israel. 
And this one obviously would land somewhere within the Gaza Strip. Of course, we don't know if that killed anybody and if that could have been one of the people that were killed in one of these articles. But of course, no one mentions this. It's much easier to just add that to the death toll that we blame Israel for. In the end, of course, I'm not trying to justify one way or the other what's going on here. Of course, I don't have all of the information. I'm subject to the same uh, biases and media input that the rest of us are. But what I will say is, of course, we need to improve our media literacy when we read some of these articles looking for these key words or the way that they are presenting things, also understanding where the sources are from in order to be better understanding of these situations. Also, what I like to do on this podcast, of course, is look at the history back behind these issues. The history can help us understand how to solve this problem, because if you don't go into the beginning of this situation, you're really just dealing with the surface issue here. And ending this current conflict really isn't going to end the major problems that are in this area. I am very happy to hear that by the time this podcast is published, that there has been a ceasefire that will hopefully hold. I have long explained that, of course, even though I am very much pro-Israel, I am also very much pro-Palestinian people. The Palestinian people deserve more from their government to not be shooting off rockets and hitting them with their own rockets or hitting the other side with rockets and asking for a retaliation. The Palestinian people deserve better, and so do the Israelis. Working together to support Palestinians and get them away from these tyrannical governments will support Israel's safety in the long run. Calling out the media for propping up these tyrannical governments and being the mouthpiece for a terrorist organization will hopefully put a change to the way that these stories are told and finally help those people who are in desperate need of help. The Palestinian people who need to be protected from their governments and the Israelis who need to be protected from terrorists and terrorist states. This has been another episode of the Jewish Diaspora Report. Don't forget to check us out on social media at jdr.podcast and check out some of our other podcasts on your favorite podcast source. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Next time.